Greetings and welcome to the Pure Report. I am your host, Rob Ludeman, and it's time to bring the orange with third time guest. You're now a member of the Three Timers Club, Mr. Andrew Miller. Can't believe it. It is uh, quite an honor. I don't think I ever imagined that I'd be a third three timers. You, you say it again because I can't seem to say it somehow. We've got the we've got the <laughs> we got the crew working on creating your vest or your jacket or whatever with the with the badge with the three. But um, welcome back. Thank you. I think uh, the first time we we had you on. We discussed so long. Cloud block store. Cloud block store. And the last time, last time we went into Flash Stack, and now we are here at Pure's sales kickoff Mm -hmm. uh, in -hmm. San Francisco. And so it was a chance for us to connect and record on location up in the city. So welcome. Always fun to chat. I appreciate the time. I appreciate your persistence with these. You know, you go through so many different topics. It's it's crazy. It's all right. And this is a fun one. We're going to be uh, focused on the title. We're going to be talking about ransomware and everything around there. Before we get into that, though, mm-hmm. uh, we've already introduced you on prior episodes. You've got a, a wonderful history in Europe, a uh, systems engineer for Pure, covering mm-hmm. the Southeast, but kind of everywhere. But let's do kind of an on, on the fly uh, double question. Um, what's one thing people don't know about you? Uh, that would be interesting. And if there's only one place you could travel the rest uh, of your life, what would it be? That's two in one. It is. If, it you, is. Can, if you can get them together at the same time, <laughs> then you get a bonus point. Uh, they actually do go together. So uh, my, I, have, I have family and my wife is from Singapore. And my probably if you had to say eat one food, though, it, maybe it would get old after a while, it'd be satay, really Malaysian satay in Singapore. But okay. you go to La Passat or there are places where they have these open grills and it is wonderful. The way I'd say, describe it to people who haven't had it, it is, is that it is better than bacon, wow. which is a great way to be kind of provocative and maybe get in a fight. But there's it conveys not, the idea because it's amazingly uh, wonderful. There's not a lot of things better than bacon. So that's that's, that's a very challenging uh, yeah. Challenging statement. You may mm-hmm. you may ruffle some folks. Um, real quick before we jump into ransomware, because I'm really interested in, in kind of the talk track that you're that you're using out there and kind of exploring that. It's a really hot topic right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you like about our sales kickoff? What's what's uh, energizing for you about being here? So so for me so far, it's been uh, we, we're through SE Tech Summit at the point where we're, we're recording this and the company kickoff. Uh, I've really enjoyed seeing the folks up on stage, and really for me, it, it's the it's the vision and rowing together the same way. You, you can set the tone at the top of the organization, then we have to figure out how we match up to that. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I'm, I've, I've really enjoyed is presenting to a lot of SEs and the level of energy and feedback and questions. It's so much better to have a room where you're fighting time management when you're presenting because there's so many questions yeah. than where it's just dead and everyone's kind of falling asleep and you're wondering, is it me or the food or yeah. <laughs> so? Well, I like that you yep. guys had some, you, you all had some level of intimacy in the rooms, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. a big giant hundred and yeah, it was like 30 or 40 people to where you can actually take questions, have conversations, exactly. have sidebar discussions that everybody learns from because those are the kind of questions that you're going to get when you're out and about, right? Yeah. Talking about all our solutions. Did some sessions on FlashTAC, did some mm-hmm. on ransomware. And each time you kind of iterate and improve a little bit, you incorporate questions from the previous session, then you get new ones. You find a joke that works really well, you try oh, yeah. it again. Right. And then maybe it doesn't work the second time. <laughs> you're like, ah, time for a new joke. Depends so. on the audience, right? Mm-hmm. I, yep. I prefer to think of it that way when I'm not as funny the second time. But Bingo. Um, um, so let's shift our gears over to the topic du jour, which is uh, ransomware and ransomware jail. Is there any way out of ransomware jail for, for enterprises out there? This is always the question where it's asking for a friend. And yeah. uh, I've, this is a topic that I've, I've talked about a lot over the last couple of years. And what's interesting is when I'm doing this is that sometimes people don't want to ask questions or talk about it, but they'll come up afterwards. And yeah. you get the most amazing and incredible and scary stories, and then you, you weave those back in. 
but it is this prevalent and continuing threat. And the only reason that I ended up continuing to talk about it, it seemed like, is there was just this continuing interest in it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's interesting asking for a friend or they come up. I mean, is there almost some sort of stigma attached to it or not embarrassment is maybe not the right word, but people don't really want it to be known maybe that they're plagued with this or that they had an instance or something happened and they had to, you know, pay money. I think there, there is sometimes a stigma at a corporate level. However, the reality is, and usually these are the conversations after, like I'm talking about this, is that there's almost not a stigma given to the, due to the dynamics and that a really determined attacker will probably find their way in yeah. kind of thing. So if, if you are a target for whatever reason as a public company or whatever, whatever reason, folks can find a way in. And so usually when I talk with folks, I'm trying to be just just so inclusive and non-threatening and this is a common threat that we're exploring. It's nothing bad on you. Like this is yeah. a hard job being on the front lines of this stuff. Well, and everybody's concerned about it, right? I mean, it's pervasive, right? Mm-hmm. It's out there. It's enough that we're doing a podcast on it, and yep. you can go do a you know search engine search around ransomware and find thousands and tens of thousands of things out there, right? I mean, it's real. You do a Google search, and you get almost new results, like a save Google alert kind of thing. Yeah, You'll get yeah. new stuff almost every day about every day. this. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's define it for folks, mm-hmm. right? Just to make sure there's a level set. Yep. Uh, it's a noun. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, base definition um, of of ransomware for you. What is what is this thing? Yeah, so I usually kind of start with the you know, kind of usually I'll talk about this in kind of three sections, if you will. The first is, is around the threat, mm-hmm. which is some definitional, but it's like exploring it with a lot more depth. So kind of if yeah. you're thinking listening to this, like imagine a number one on the on the on the uh, PowerPoint. So, you know, there is a base definition of this is software that encrypts your data. Uh, you don't get it back until you pay money. Pretty obvious. The, right. the little more snide definition, but actually very technically correct definition is it's a problem that requires an unplanned restore of massive amounts of data from systems that weren't designed for that. They were generally designed in backup systems to bring back, you know, individual amounts of data. You'd use like replication, disaster recovery stuff to bring back large swaths of your environment. So it's a little snarky, but it's actually kind of technically true. So, I mean, it sounds in a way like we're it, we're taking a new problem, a new challenge that's mm-hmm. real, mm-hmm. and we're intersecting with an existing challenge. Yeah, which is classically which has that been... magnify and make it worse. Yep. Yeah. So in some cases, it, it magnifies challenges that we've had from a backup and recovery issue. It also magnifies challenges of just classic security and defense in depth. Uh, this even goes into, you know, when you, when you look at this, this is often malware that typically infects laptops. Yeah. You know, it's targeted at individual people via zero-day vulnerabilities. You know, at the point of this podcast, right, um, it was just a couple weeks ago, the U.S. government put out an alert about updating Firefox, zero-day vulnerabilities. The, the stories that I tell here are, are from folks I've ch- chatted with. One, uh, someone worked in accounts payable, came at 7.40 a.m., doing their job, opened a PDF, the machine got infected. Not inherently wrong on them. Had a, had a friend up in Toronto came and talked to me afterwards, and the day before, he'd received an email from iTunes, looked like a $49.99 app purchase. So I, I don't know about you or me, but for most people, that's not a financial deal breaker kind of thing. No, you can, you no can, but, it's not. Yeah. But it is like, what did I or my wife or my kids? Like, what the, that's a $50 yes, app. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. You're always curious. Like, did they really pay for that? Mm-hmm. Right. So the only thing wrong in that email was, is, was the dispute this purchase link. So unless you're doing like a view source... You wouldn't know, and I mean, yeah. you're not doing view source on every single no, email you're in your inbox. Tons of emails in mm-hmm. real time, and trying to get through. You know, particularly if it's 
you know, you're, you're, you know, I have an email account where I do all my transactions, right? So there's one that I communicate with people and one that's transactions. And so mm -hmm. I'm usually just going through that one really quickly, right? Chucking like, through it. Uh, going through, going through. Oh yeah. I didn't pay for that. Dispute. Click. Mm -hmm. Uh-oh. Mm -hmm. Problem. Or and this is where it gets kind of personal and sometimes a little bit, I'm cautious and hide on this. Like I've got, I've got children. Um, or we've got family or loved ones. If you get an email that looks like it's from a school, from an athletic organization, from a, a cruise line, and they've done research to figure out, you know, someone's traveling, and it says there's been a security event, an active shooter event, something else, our primal brains click in. Right. We're not, we're not thinking, is this an attack? We're thinking, I need to know what is going on. I will click the link to say, see current information about the status of whatever relates to that loved one, right? So this is where it becomes this interesting, and to me, it's a little bit, obviously it's a dark topic, but it's this interesting intersection of technology, economics, and psychology. And we'll yeah. keep exploring those yeah. themes as we it, go. It definitely goes beyond just sort of a, you know, a, a brainless attack, mm -hmm. right? There's, mm -hmm. there's, there's mm -hmm. a lot more into it. Um, is this something that we see visibly out there? You know, I know for years you've, you've you know, you've been able to, you know, you're walking through a train station or you're, yeah. you know, you're, you're, you're going through, um, it has been things, right? Been. So the, the kind of the, the previous best known name here was sometimes crypto locker. Okay. Um, there's also, uh, the, the most commonly known name, and this is where I get folks who hadn't even, you know, they, they would just watch USA today and that kind of thing was really want to cry. And so there's this great image. You can, mm. you can find it on Google of literally a screen that's like a, a departures and arrival screen at an airport, but it's like in a Deutsche Bahn train station. Okay, right, And right. it's got the WannaCry thing like up on the overhead monitor. Just you know, sitting that there kind of for thing. everybody to see <laughs> mm -hmm. because they're locked out. And eventually right. they, they got it down. They pulled power kind yeah. of thing. But but sometimes even at an individual level would see that um, it's not just about local file systems. It can also be about attached network mounts hmm. kind of thing. So example that I, I totally anonymize about a SQL DBA Machine got infected, not bad on them. Reached out across the network, encrypted via SMB v3. The backups on a purpose-built backup appliance. We're not taking competitive pot shots here, just no, a no, purpose-built backup appliance. That was, that was the condition. Yep. Yeah. Reached out over the network to the SQL servers, encrypted the MDF LDF files, and that's then encrypted their workstation very politely. Made that the last thing to encrypt. Hmm. That's the definition of a really bad day. Yeah. And this is where we start to get into the discussion, and we're seeing this now. It was theoretical a couple years ago, but seeing it now about not just attacks on, you know, your data, but actually on your backups. There's there's stuff in the news. City so they're, of Atlanta. Extending, they're extending deeper now, yep. right? Thinking more carefully about how you might want to recover. So encrypting your backups or have even seen cases and just in general where they even go after storage array snapshots to delete. So this is where we start to get into the idea of not just do I have my backups, but are they immutable? Can they be yeah. modified? That, that key concept of immutability. But even can I protect against not not like a rogue admin, but someone who gets like they're in my environment long enough to get into Active Directory? Mm. You know, they've been spending the average ransomware attack length is two hundred and six days. They don't encrypt until the very end. Yeah, they spend the beginning wandering around, escalate privileges, check this system, that system. They're just kind of you know, wandering around the network. Talk about the immutability concept. Maybe there's folks that aren't quite. Yeah, crystal clear, or they have a definition in their mind, and maybe they're right, right? I mm -hmm. mean, they, they, you know, I may be having you define this, and a lot of people listening are like, yeah, yeah, we know what immutability is, but there might be some out there that don't. Base definition, like, what does that mean? So the core core idea of immutability is that after you have a data set, in this case, we're just going to focus on backups to illustrate it, because sure, that's what's sure. relevant here also, is that if you, if you have your data is in a format that it cannot be modified in any way. 
Now that is sometimes separate from can an administrator come in and delete a data set? Yeah. But it would be the idea that like once you've made a backup, that backup can't be corrupted, it can't be changed, you know it's a good thing. Okay. Sort of locked out from mm -hmm. from anything. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and even potentially even potentially you, but now this has gone beyond that into uh, into even you know compromised admin credentials. And when I'm talking with people about this, often it's like at a, a lunch and learn and you're eating a steak, you're yeah. sitting in a semi-comfortable yeah. chair. And, and I'm pretty upfront that my goal is to scare people with this. Like for, I think, what are the right reasons? Like it's better for you to know, hear about this at noon or 1 p.m. than at 2 a.m. when you get a call from your boss. That's not when you want to be learning about this. No, no. But, but I think, you know, the world is getting scarier. Um, mm -hmm. It's not slowing down. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's good to have awareness. I mean, it's good to have those steak luncheons where that's that's an interesting um, topic for you. And we know, I mean, there's a lot of data out there. We know that this is, you know, not the top, but it's one of the top when we go look at various surveys about where money is going to, where mm -hmm. the focus is mm -hmm. around digital transformation. You know, it's around cyber, it's around crypto, it's around all these different things. And I think that's going to continue. I, I just, I don't see an end in sight to that being, you know, one of the top investment areas going forward. The latest number I saw was, it's the second highest priority for the next year from CIOs responding to a, and this one, I don't know if we can publish, publish, but it's a, a very well-known analyst firm that, that you would all know kind of thing. Yeah. And, and there, th what that means is that there's, there is recognition of this often at an executive level, but when we think about, so where did this come from? Because we've had worms and viruses with yeah, us for a long sure. time. Oh, a long time. And you look at some stats. This is like from ZDNet and Tech Republic about the economic impact. Not not ransoms paid, but mm -hmm. the economic impact. No, the impact of the business, mm -hmm. downtime, outages. So much. Uh, productivity, right? Or lost mm -hmm. opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. There's so many things there. Reputational. So right. 2015, the estimate was $24 million. Okay. Uh, 2019, it's $11.5 billion. So I, I've been in the middle of, a, of one hypergrowth company in a previous life. Yeah. Peers had a hypergrowth phase. This dwarfs any Silicon Valley hypergrowth, yeah, like 479 that's just a huge, times that's growth. That's just a massive, massive growth, yeah. There was, 500x. There was even a, um, this is in the early days, 2015, 2016, where there was, and this was written about publicly, an FBI special agent, Joseph Bonavolanta, was just being very real in a Q&A session after a, you know, a small security conference thing. And it was recorded by a reporter saying, you know, to be often the ransomware is that good. Sometimes people just have to pay the ransom. It got in a regional paper, another paper, uh, the yeah. FBI had to walk it yeah. back. That can't be Proliferates, the real. right? We can't say that. Yeah. But it's sometimes the reality. It is. It is. And you can't you can't turn around without just running into a new story. The, the couple that I usually focus on, but yeah. you can find new ones. Who for, are they going after? Like, which are the ones we see popping up more and more? We see a lot of legal. Uh -huh. We see a lot of financial, a lot of medical. The, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about Like, we're in San Francisco right now. The yeah. day after Thanksgiving... SF Muni, actually uh, on the screens, it said you've been hacked. They collected no fares that day. Two school systems, was education and even SLED, state, local, educational, right? Uh, one close to where I live, they went to recover um, and they found, well, actually, you, you tell me, what do you think they found about the state of their backups? They weren't there. Probably didn't have them. Right? Yeah. So this is like, I've been the junior backup admin where you're coming right. to a, a wall of red, failed backup, failed backups. I'm the sad backup panda every morning, that kind of thing. Like, oh, man, not wah, again. Wah. Um, yeah. But, so that's just reality. The yeah. school, in, school in Texas said, we're not going to pay the ransom. I'm challenged with their backups. And they paid teachers for five days to reconstruct the data, student data, records, grades, all that kind of stuff. Where it gets really scary and just this is sad is Hollywood Presbyterian Medical Center, you know, hospital system, seven days hit, couldn't, had ambulance dispatch issues, CT scans, EMR data, 
After seven days, they paid the ransom. Guess how much it was? A very low amount. I usually like to play this out. You say a yeah, bajillion, yeah. Oh, a million, a million dollars. But it was, uh, was $17,000. What is that compared to a hospital budget? And yeah. I, I, I always store that one away and say, let's come back to it later. Because 30 days later, they got hit again. So there's a little bit of a kind of a, a, a blank if you do and blank if you don't insert right. whatever right. words yeah, you, you yeah, think yeah. I'm doing when we say we that. You can say darn to keep it clean on this, there on, you go. On this, on there this you pod. Go. Yeah. Yeah. So it's about, it's when you dig into those stories, it's challenges of not, of having my data, but also how quickly can I get it back? Those yeah. are the two architectural principles, data accessibility and kind of speed of restore. And that's kind of what restore, you know, what we, I just feel like, and we've covered this on other pods, you, you, you. You and I have, but also in general, is that you know everybody talks about backups or backups, right? Or you mm -hmm. know, we, you know, we're interviewing a guy last week, and it's like, yeah, he's like, I'm the backup guy. It's like, well, you know, shouldn't people think of themselves as the restore people? Andy, right? Andy the restore people. Andy Cutner was co-presenting this on for the, yeah. some of the essays for the essays this week, and he talks about you know how he never got asked when he was a backup admin and how fast did the backups run. Nope. You did get asked about how fast three stores were going to yes. be, though, on yes. a regular basis. Because that's what it's about. <laughs> that's what it's about. All right, go, let's go into um, some of the impacts. So the problem is real, right? We understand mm -hmm. it's it's uh, it's a new vector, but related to mm -hmm. some of the other, uh, you know, worms and malware and other things mm -hmm. that that you, that you mentioned before. But um, you know, what are the impacts? I, you know, and it sounds like it's interesting. I love your your perspective on the money. Monetization. Monetization being yeah. an operational thing. Yes, you may have to pay this one time fee, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. really think about the impact of the organization mm -hmm. as so, a bigger thing. So it shifted here is back to the kind of worms and viruses here for a while. But but classically in science when I'm presenting, it's you know just showing a literally a picture of like a, a briefcase of money. That's, right. that's how you paid a ransom yeah. in the past. Yeah. How how do you pay it now is you know kind of impact item number one that, mm -hmm. that shifted the landscape is around cryptocurrency, right? This isn't a moral, political, commentary, et cetera, on Bitcoin. No. But it does provide a relatively anonymous, relatively reliable payment method that can reach all around the world. You know, that people, they can monetize literally from the other side of the world, from wherever the person they're attacking is. And when you compare that back to that $17,000 ransom, you know, let's just take, you know, software development salaries. Average in the U.S., 69000 Other parts of the world can be higher, can be mm -hmm. lower. But seventeen thousand could be six months of income. Yeah. It could be a year of income. That that could be a sizable amount of money. There's even some a little bit of dark humor here about you know you manufacturing often gets outsourced to less expensive parts of the world for you know just human labor cost. Sometimes ransomware attacks get outsourced yeah. that same way too. Is ransomware enabled more because there's Bitcoin, right? Because there's cryptocurrency. Would it be easy? Would it be? I don't think it would be would at it the be same as, level. As, yeah. Would it be as big of a threat or a successful? As pervasive uh, or pervasive threat, if if you couldn't anonymously transfer over currency, I don't know. I I don't think so. Yeah. I don't want to take a hard position on that, but right. it's, it's a critical part. But I would doubt it. I would doubt it. it its effectivity. I agree. You know, around that, the other piece um, gets into um, kind of just the the number of people that can start to participate, if you will. Yeah. Well, once it starts being <laughs> successful, like you yeah, can, can I get grow. Some? I mean, there can be some ecosystem behind this, right? So I'll, I'll how, often, how to make ransomware really easy. They're literally ransomware as a service kit. So you can find crazy. screenshots it's, it's, of this in Google. Yeah. I'm not recommending this, but sometimes I'll no. joke about like if you're if you're feeling stalled in your career and not going <laughs> any, anywhere, you should look at cybersecurity. That that's absolutely what I'm talking. You know, right. it's like because you there are actually ransomware as a service kits can be purchased. 
these these can have different levels of technical you know knowledge required from a kind of the stereotypical script kitty term to more more capabilities these can even have different payment models like you purchase it up front you pay a percentage back and this is where you even get into the idea of the power of the channel like as pure we go 100% through the channel right. through our value added right. resellers so you have software manufacturers you have channel partners you know multiply the the force of the reach and you have customers which is another bit of a little bit of dark humor. So I've spent time in technical marketing, right? You know, so you talk about customer acquisition and demand generation. Yeah. yeah. If you get in hit by ransomware, you have been acquired as a customer, right. a very unhappy, unwilling customer. Yeah. But you're a customer, and then actually customer service comes into play. So F5 did a great study. They got infected by five variants of ransomware. Uh, they didn't pay the ransom inside VMs, you know, isolated off, and they actually came out with some really good principles about customer service, like for a a grandmother somewhere navigating Bitcoin or a teenager who doesn't want to let his parents know anything to a young professional somewhere. Like, how do you help people make it very easy to transact business with us, you know, if you will? <laughs> but if it's successful, that's going to happen, like mm -hmm. with any business. I, you know, I, I, that totally makes sense. This, it's maturing, right? And so there's going to be things that grow around it. The last piece I'll usually hit on here before, because this is the discouraging part. It's like life is awful and we yeah. should all just go do yeah. something else. But to play it out is that this is a maturing business that competes with you, you as an IT practitioner, me as an IT practitioner, because we're used to competition in various ways. We're used to maybe rogue or shadow IT, software as a service, maybe companies like, like Pure that dramatically simplify something that took a lot of you know effort, manual effort. We're not used to competition with the core inefficiency of the data center, which is, you asked me when I was an admin engineer, is everything in your data center up to date and patched? I don't like that question. That's extremely it's uncomfortable. Question. It's not a question people like to get. Because yeah. I know the answer. Like for yeah. me, so I'm never trying to like project this and make people feel bad. But all those attack vectors, you're not going to be able to close them all down. Yeah. So if someone's really determined, they can take advantage of it. Yeah. But you're giving some element of exposure in there as well. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's the hard part. Mm -hmm. That's the hard part. All right. So what do we do about all this? That's, you yeah. know, we've kind of set the context, right? <laughs> I always get to the end of this and go, all right, ah. you've provided enough data points that the problem is real, mm -hmm. right? So, uh, and this gets back to what you mentioned in the outset around, you know, what's the, what's the theory, mm -hmm. um, you know, behind this? Because, you know, we can educate and, and, mm -hmm. and try to do things prior, but it's still happening. Yep. So th this is a security conversation. Yeah. And this is now, you know, kind of part number two, like theory. Like, what are the things we can do uh, in, in reality, but also in practice? So this is a defense in-depth conversation. Mm -hmm. So it's multiple layers. Always have to think about operational overhead here. I call it sometimes, I've, I've, or you know, I've had it, and then I've used this for a while, the barking chihuahua. So you get yeah. so many alerts from something, you make the autofile rule, you don't look at it. So you, you have too many things that's going to fall down of its own weight. But the, the first piece here is what I'll call kind of before the attack human focused. Yeah. We we as humans are often the weakest link. Like disaster recovery stats, what are most disaster recovery failovers caused by? Human error, mm -hmm. right? There's there's tornadoes and they matter too, you know, power well, cuts. But almost everything that goes wrong is a human error type of thing, which is right. why everybody likes automation, mm -hmm. right? Repeatability. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. So this is this is like companies like um no before IT training departments, don't enable macros, don't click that oh, yeah. link, look for the lock icon, yep. all that kind of good yep. stuff. There's also then before the attack from a technical standpoint. And this is a huge landscape. There's so many products here from next generation firewalls to antivirus to patching to intrusion prevention or detection systems. There's so many things here. 
Um, we'll talk a little bit more later about Flashblade. Flashblade can actually underpin some of those products. If you're listening to this, you know what Flashblade is. We'll right. tell you in a minute. Yeah. Right? But <laughs> it can underpin some of those products. There's also then before the attack from a financial standpoint. So you can literally purchase cybersecurity insurance policies. If you're a large enough enterprise, this might be worth an, a, a layered approach. Um, any insurance policy, there's a little bit of fine print. Of course there is. You know, so yeah. yeah. Sometimes those have the requirements, so you have to have everything patched and up to date. It's got to meet the, the right attack. conditions, or else they're gonna not have to pay you. So yeah. in, insurance yeah. companies—they're in the business of selling insurance policies. They're good at that. They're not in the business of granting claims. Yeah, I yeah. don't fault them for that. <laughs> right? That's what they do. That's the model. Last though is data protection, yeah. just kind of like after the attack, technical. And this is where sometimes you kind of do a, you know, I kind of play it out a little bit. Like, does anybody in the room know that you should have backups? Like, to, right, what right. the FBI tells you this. Back to what we talked about with the backups previously, or the you know the wah wah the you know the the unhappy red screen with, mm-hmm. with failed backups. Mm-hmm. Right. HIPAA tells you this. Like, there's a great HIPAA yeah. quote about you need backups to help recover from ransomware. So you know, envision like that, like the the easy button. You know, hit the easy yeah, button. Right. Like, it's easy right yeah but the reason it's not easy is then we start to dig back into reliability of data is is my data actually there and how quickly can i get it back you know if the tree falls in a forest does it make a sound if i can't get my data back quickly enough do my backups exist that's painful to think about you put all this effort in but if it's slow enough to bring back here I often step to the side for a minute and talk about, um, I've got some background in business impact analysis, you know, where you take application tiers, map them to recovery times and recovery points, and the idea of risk. And risk being a function of the, the likelihood of a threat acting on a vulnerability and the impact. But what we dial in here is on the idea of a high impact, low probability scenario. So ransomware attacks are pervasive, but you're not recovering from a ransomware attack every day in IT operations. You've got a lot of things to do. So it's it's low probability, but when it happens, it's super high impact. And the pro- challenge there is that complexity is the enemy of a high impact, low probability scenario. If you have to, it, if your solution for explain, high, explain that a little bit more. Yeah, if yeah, your solution you requires constant care and feeding. Mm-hmm. The time when you need it, that once in a year or once in a month or once every now and then, that's the day you go there and your backups aren't there. Or they weren't running correctly or this thing was hard, too hard to set up so we didn't implement that feature. Maybe it was an extra license to pay for. So if it's easier, then you can take it for granted a little bit more because you'll know it's there when you need it regardless. Yep. Yep. So you're yeah. not kind of yeah, in yeah. The, the classic, you know, like you've got my coffee cup, the data center's on fire. You're like, everything's fine because yeah. I've got too it's, many it's things to worry this, about. It's the this is fine dog, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. I love that this is fine, dog. That's always a good thing. All right. So there's hope, though, right? There is I mean, hope. we can, you know, now that we have the theory. There's hope. What, what? So the hope And goes, around the recovery piece. Yeah. So this is still a little bit architectural. Yeah. And my hope yeah. is that when I talk about this, people can use some of these principles, whether they're engaged with pure or not. Obviously, sure. we think we have some good stuff we're just about to get to. No. But the, the, the two categories here go into first kind of reliability of data recovery. Do I have my data? Is it fundamentally there? For that to be the case, Whatever you're thinking about from a solution standpoint needs to be very simple to set up and maintain or else it won't be there. And then we come back to that idea of immutability. immutability concept again, right? Yeah. Both immutability of the data, it can't be modified or changed, as well as even getting to like, you know, if someone's penetrated Active Directory, is it there? And then secondly, of course, speed of data recovery. You know, can I get it back quickly enough? And this is where we start to get into... You know, how Pure can actually help. And we have real customers that we're doing this for. This is not oh, yeah. theoretical stuff. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's some, some of it, what we're talking about is a little newer. 
The first line of defense from a pure standpoint is snapshots. Pure oh, we has do well. We do great snapshots. snapshots. Yeah, yeah. They are Space immutable. Space efficient, all that, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. but there's immutability. Yeah. They're immutable from day one. Uh, I like to talk about snap. That's what snapshots want to be when they grow up. There's no mm. performance impact. You yeah. can take tons of them. There's not a problem when you delete them because nothing is faster in a restore scenario than just changing metadata, like roll back that snapshot right. to this previous thing. So that's on Flash Array, our mm-hmm. primary block platform. It can also be on Flash Blade, um, which we'll, we'll, we'll get into more in a minute. But you kind of think about primary storage. Snapshots are a very good thing to have in your toolkit because this is not a, here's your single answer. If you're hoping for that on this podcast, hopefully you already realized you're not going to get it. It's a, it's a multiple layer thing. When you do these podcasts, you give many layers, right? You're, <laughs> you're like kinda, an onion. You're, well, you're, you're the onion of, of these I'm, topics. I right? like the happy onion that doesn't make you cry. I don't know. So, is it the but... onion with a coffee cup saying this is fine? <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> So you can also take those snapshots from a flash array and send them down to Flashblade. So you can send them in another way, get more mileage out of them, which leads us into very much kind of that second line of defense, which is goes into the idea of better backups. Yeah. And there's three key principles here. There's kind of a before the attack that has to be simple to implement. During the attack, it has to be immutable plus, not just immutable, but immutable even in the case where you have admin credential compromise. Because for ransomware, it's probably not a, a rogue admin, a disgruntled employee, but it's the equivalent impact of that. Someone yeah. is compromised all the way from an executive or active directory, et cetera. And then third, after the attack, it's got to be fast enough. And so we talk, like to talk about unmatched recovery speed. Yeah, that's the rapid part of rapid restore. Yeah. So I think this is where it's worth a, a brief kind of side sideline to talk about Flashblade. Sure. For those who don't know about it. So Yeah, we fl- alluded to it a minute ago. So, you know, we, give, we did the give, teaser. Now we'll cash it in. Give 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 the 50,000 <laughs> foot view, right, as to how this ties in. So, Flashblade at core is built for high throughput. It's built built for multi-dimensional performance and massively parallel stuff. So, if you talk to me about that I would like to have 50 gigabytes of throughput, and I'm talking about Flash Array, Flash Array is phenomenal from a latency standpoint. You know, sub-millisecond yeah. latencies and, yeah. and even much Rap- lower. Rapid response times, right? Which, right. Which is great. But any kind of tightly coupled data reduction platform, throughput is not the primary design center. The primary design center is around latency. Yeah. Flashblade is built around massive throughput and around scale out and around handling very disparate workloads. Most technically, that's about different block sizes and that kind of thing, and being able to handle that. And as it, a scale out platform, so you can grow it out, you need more throughput, yeah, more blades, very simple. And I'm, some of my friends that are in the Flashblade team, whether it's uh, you know probably Brian Gold or Brian Schwartz right. or Stashka or Dave, Flashblade PSCs are like, man, you're giving it such short shrift. But you know, to set it up briefly for this context, but we've had a lot of customers that have actually gone and used Flashblade, not just for you know what sometimes people think around analytics and AI and data warehousing and data lakes, a lot of great use cases, but that also use it kind of as a, a data hub right. to handle multiple workloads with one of those workloads being backups. Managing those same backups. But more about restores. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because always, we always, I mean, we always talk in that context of restores, mm-hmm. right? Back to our conversation earlier about, you know, backups, backups, but really for this problem and other problems, it's it's that restore vector that matters. And that restore vector is all about throughput, right? Yeah. Massive amounts of throughput are a wonderful thing and when you're restoring your data. Here, and that's what we get here with Flashpoint. Yep. That's, yep. that's, that's, you know, what we can deliver, great data points too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Big, mm-hmm. big giant numbers. So if even if you just start with Flashblade, yeah. for like the purpose we're talking about here, 
you can then leverage it for you know AI and ML and HPC and chip design and all that good stuff. What do you right? start with? Do you start with the restore? Do you think or it, or it do you start with, I mean, I guess it varies on the use case and what problem is 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 the biggest problem. But it seems like if you were just going to solve the fast restore problem and for ransomware some of these other things for ransomware, then all of a sudden you can go oh. Oh, we've got these analytics silos over here. Why don't we, you know, pull those over? Oh, I've got some old big, you know, data warehouse, right? Mm -hmm. That uh, that would fit on here too. And that's that whole notion of that hub. Right? We uh, as IT, we like to build silos and we like to collapse them. So we're happy to help you yes, to collapse them. Yes, we love collapsing <laughs> and they'll find silos. More of them, so you know. go away, silos. <laughs> yeah. So we've we've got some great data points here around, especially about FlashBlade from a data protection, backup and restore. So, you know, you know, one of them, and we're, we're looking at some notes here together, is a, right, right. a customer that went from 38 hours down to 30 minutes for full recovery of test dev environments. This is a, a large software as a service provider that, that many, of our, many of our listeners would know kind of thing. So some even raw numbers there, you know, about, you know, we can talk about 90 terabytes an hour backup speed, peak restore speeds of 270 terabytes an hour. The, the reason this matters is, we talk about ransomware. Uh, I'm actually thinking of one specific customer, leaving the name out, where you know it took them 14 days to get back up, Ugh. and then it was going to take them 60 days Ugh. to bring their environment back from backup. Wow. That's where, at that point, do the backups even really exist? Matter? Yeah, like it's... you said, the tree in the forest, is it even there if it takes two months? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, why even do it? We've done a bunch with integrations with some of our leading partners, Veeam, Commvault, Veritas, back to that simplicity of setting up, being able to put FlashBlade underneath very easily with reliable testing and mm -hmm. demo videos and, and configuration guides. What that and, and that can even be just for like for your native SQL dumps or you know, it can yeah, take Oracle sure, R man. I, I, sure. I think you like this Oracle thing I've heard. Is yeah, that I'm possible? Okay with so? Oracle, yeah. No, but I mean I the the, the the bigger picture message is with these third party alliance partners and the other ways that folks want to do backups, if it's SQL mm -hmm. dumps or R mm -hmm. man we don't really care, right? We're agnostic as to how you want to do it. It's a data We're hub. just going to bring you something that has those really great bandwidths mm -hmm. and the flexibility to handle the different data types and the different use cases and have them in one place. Yep. Right? yep. Simplify it all. Break down the silos. The piece there that comes in that is a little bit newer. Yeah. So if you've been tracking Pierce, a lot of what we've talked about, you're already probably you may be familiar with, especially as a pure customer. The piece that's newer and acts as a force multiplier here. It's actually, we're kind of calling it Immutability Plus, or right. it's also what's something that's called Safe Mode on FlashBlade. Okay. Because when we get into ransomware discussions, it's a unique time where you have to restore large amounts of your data, not from you know replicated arrays, but from your backups. And what, what Safe Mode provides is it gives you kind of a force multiplier on the existing simplicity and speed mm -hmm. of FlashBlade. Because of that targeting around backup data, we're I actually see. seeing okay. that targeting backup data yeah. to try and you think about the anatomy of attack. The very last phase you do after you've gotten all the privileges you can is you delete any recovery mechanisms, array snapshots, you know, d backups, and then you execute encryption as the final phase. Got it. Yeah. So safe mode on FlashBlade is really it's, it's a direct answer to this issue to prevent ransomware attackers from deleting backups that are stored on FlashBlade, even even if the admin credentials have been compromised. So you're almost putting a wall around the backups, if you will. I yep. don't know. I'm just trying to provide yep. an image to yep. this, right? Yep. So or it's, yeah. So it, after being enabled, what it actually does is it automatic. It, it, part of that is that you have this automatic hidden schedule 
to create snapshots. These are, these are normal snapshots. Mm -hmm. And then those snapshots cannot actually be deleted by the customer or even anyone with admin access to Flashblade. If, if you start thinking about, you know, maybe we'll have enough space, we can, we can talk to you about that, you yeah. know, high change rate scenarios. Sure, sure. And, and, and also, if you're kind of thinking about, you know, ransomware gestation periods, we talked about that 200 days. It's usually the last couple of days that the actual encryption takes place, you know, so you can get your data back, you can scrub it. There's good stuff in the security space for bringing data back and it's not encrypted. Maybe there's a rootkit in the OS. You can, you can scrub that stuff out or just bring back the raw data. And we've even collaborated with several backup vendors to show how this would integrate, you know, this extra Flashblade capability yeah. being very, very simple, simple to implement. This would does require, you know, we're talking kind of snapshot change rates and delta stuff, yeah, right? right? So right. there is some impact from a space change, from a space perspective, but it's not crazy. And what we get to is then this provides this unique capability. And I'm comfortable with this spending a while talking about this, this unique combination of simplicity, kind of immutability plus, and unmatched recovery speeds. The only things out there that really offer you know, that level of kind of immutability or like a Glacier vault lock in mm -hmm. Amazon. And, and if you're listening to this and you're thinking, you know, is, is he being a little bit vague here? Actually, yes. And we, we were kind of plotting this out ahead of time. Yeah, we were talking, right? This is, yeah. um, this is a public podcast, right? So if you are listening to this, we, we, we're happy that you are, but we don't know who's going to be listening to this. Right. Who's going to be reading our blog about this. So, so we're actually being, frankly, a little bit intentionally vague about this. And we would love to give you a detailed walkthrough of how safe mode works, how it's enabled, yep. you know some of the protections around that. Your local peer team can, can help you with that. You can reach out for meetings and we love going through it with you in more depth. But when we're talking about something that is meant to help in this kind of scenario, we want to tell you kind of what you get out of it. Yeah. What, what are the outcomes, but keep everything else sort of- Some of the details out. Sort, yeah. of, sort of close to the vest, which I think, you know, I, that, that's fair, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. It's a it's a crazy, dangerous world we live in, whether we like it or not. It is. It so, is. Yeah, the movie back in the uh sixties, seventies, it's a mad, 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 mad world. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you saw yeah. that. You know, they were like chasing the money and it's crazy. How come when <laughs> you and I do these things we come up with these really not so fresh references that go way back? I mean, I I'm 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 like young, right? Still. You yeah, too, right? I don't know. Uh. Yeah, I don't know. I like to I, that's why I sit behind the microphone so people don't get to see me. Uh, in reality, except, I, when I, yeah. except when I come to these conferences and then they look at my badge and go, oh, you're the guy. I like to think you're that I have a I have a face for radio. So there you go. I know. That's an easy one. <laughs> that's our co-host, Sam, also. That's the, that's one he likes. Um, well, take us home. Wrap it. I love the call to action to uh, reach out uh, to your peer teams. If this mm -hmm. has struck a chord with you mm -hmm. and you're interested in learning more and we kind of dangled a little bit about safe mode in front mm -hmm. of you mm -hmm. so you, you know you kind of get the gist of of what we're trying to do if you want to know how it works yep. you know get in touch with us and we'll go into uh, a little bit more detail and uh you know there's going to be a accompanying blog post that's uh either going to be published before this or with this pod <laughs> so um you know do a search on uh, blog.purestorage.com uh for ransomware and uh and and you'll find uh a little bit more detail, perhaps, than, than what we've covered today. Anything you want to wrap around this? You've, yep. had, you've been having fun conversations around this out I there, have. right? I mean, this is a this is a fascinating topic that that probably gets you meetings. What I'm what I'm enjoying specifically about this up here, because I've, I've talked about this in, in previous lives, kind of thing, is that what we're offering, to the best of my knowledge, right now. And I'm always careful, like you know, because sure. I, I, I look at this stuff, but I don't I don't know everything. But there's nothing out there right now that has that combination of simplicity. Immutability plus even to you know admin credential compromise and rapid restore, 
and it's not just about, well, well, that sounds cool. But when people get into this kind of scenario, this is hard. Is. This is really painful. So this yeah. is where we, we get into IT often because we like to see the impact that we can make. And, and hopefully, like, fundamentally, we are here to help and make our customers heroes. And if, let's say, the, it was the CIO that somehow got infected or some executive, and we can help our customer be the hero and save the day with this kind of thing, that's incredibly gratifying. Yeah, yeah. It's a huge outcome, and that's what we want to do. We want to help our customers. Well, thank you. This was an absolute pleasure. Glad we could connect here at uh, Sales Kickoff. You got anything else coming up that you want to plug? Anything else you got going on that you're working on? I'm just wandering around the con- uh, country working on uh, field EBCs and ransomware lunch and learns where uh, those always end with me with eating a steak by myself. But that's after I've talked for long enough that I'm ready to be done talking. I'll, so. be, I'll see you in two weeks when, <laughs> we're right. out, when we're out in Chicago. I'll eat a steak with you so you're not by yourself. Awesome. Yeah, we'll, 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 I'll give you some good company. Well, thank you again. Always a pleasure. And thanks, everybody, for uh, listening in, for telling a colleague we will keep the episodes coming. As I always say at this point, if you want more information on uh, what we've been talking about, best thing to do, probably go to purestorage.com slash Flashblade and learn about Flashblade and the Data Hub concept that we were talking about. And also, uh, there should be some good links to some of the other specific solution areas in there, including ransomware. Um, and you can also go to the solutions tab on the top of your storage.com and click on data protection because that's another very relevant thing to what we were talking about today uh, with regard to snapshots and with regard to rapid restore backups and recovery. Um, so with that, we will go ahead and wrap for Pure Storage and Andrew Miller. This is Rob Ludeman saying, don't look back, something might be gaining on you.